Hey, it's Shane here, your host of Phone Calls with Clever People. I want to take a moment to introduce a bit of a different episode on the podcast today. I've been fortunate to have had some really clever conversations with people over the last few seasons on the podcast, and one of those clever guests is my good friend and friend of the show, Janine Garner. Earlier this week, Janine flipped the tables and invited me to join her for a clever conversation, and we live-streamed that together. I actually enjoyed this conversation so much that I reached out to Janine and asked her if she had a recording that she could send me so I could share it here with you. We talk all things leadership, curiosity, creativity, and learning, and I reckon you'll love it just as much as I did. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with me in conversation with Janine Garner. Hello? Hi. We'll do it live. Do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Lift off. Hello, hello, Janine Garner here. It is Friday here in Sydney, and I am super pumped to be here today. Uh, today, this live stream is part of my It's Who You Know monthly series, an opportunity for me to introduce you to some really awesome people I know that I think you should know too. My very good friend, um, the incredible, the inspiring Shane Hatton. So Shane, I have known for ooh, quite a few years, actually. Um, and every single time I chat to Shane, one, we have the best conversations that trigger off even more ideas in my mind. Um, but also this guy's brain and how he thinks is insane. And the work that he's doing in the leadership space is really, really inspiring in terms of the work that he's doing to try and make sure that there's that exponential change happening in leadership. Um, some of you might have heard my story about my massive panic attack when I went to market with launching Be Brilliant. And I share the story about one person that literally called me on my own BS and said, Janine, you need to use your own IP. Well, this is him. Oh, Janine, you know, when you were talking about before all the subscription ways and ways to subscribe, I was sitting here thinking while you were saying that I feel so privileged to be subscribed to your life. And so like oh. the ability to have you as one of those people in my circle, um, it's a subscription that I would never unsubscribe from. It's such a valuable one. Oh, you are just gorgeous. Seriously, you didn't need to say that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and the, and the, and the conversation goes both ways. I love chatting with you as well because <laughs> I feel like it's it's nice to be able to have conversations with people who, again, help you think bigger and and can kind of um, bounce back your own ideas. So I feel like you're one of those people as well to, to have the great conversation with. So Shane, I know you, but the people watching this, some may, some won't, tell the people watching my awesome friends online, um, what it is that you do? Well, I would describe myself as Queenslander by birth, Melbourneian by choice. Uh, I would say I'm curious in nature and creative at heart. That would be kind of the description of me as a person. Um, and what I do is essentially I work with organizations to help their executive leaders be more strategic and less transactional. I do that by helping their people leaders be remarkable at what they do. So mm. it helps them kind of mm. fill their internal pipeline with great leaders and also helps them get out of the detail and more into the big picture. 
And I think that's that's probably where our initial connection happened. Your your angle of remarkable leaders, my passion about unleashing brilliance. You know, there's this wonderful connect there of how together we're both trying to help other people become the best version of themselves. And I loved your your point right at the beginning of this chat where you you actually talked to the value of the connection and how when we actually connect properly, um, remarkable things happen. It's like this spark of ideas. Um, we spoke recently and you said something about, Janine, I make a point of every time I connect being very intentional about the connection. And you mentioned that there's three almost uh, views that you make that connection through. Can you share that for us? I think every conversation or room that I walk into, I, I try to adopt, I guess, a persona or a an attitude in kind of three different ways. And I would say every room or every conversation I go into, I go in through the lens of a student. And the question I'm constantly asking myself self is, what could I learn from this conversation or from this room? And that started predominantly because I've um, I would and generally are the kind of person who would sit in the corner of a conference or a networking event or, you know, and I would kind of stick to myself and I wouldn't meet people. And um, as someone who's high learner on their Clifton strengths, I realized that the way that I could combat that shyness or that fear of speaking to people was to go in as the attitude of a learner. So I go into the room now, not thinking about who could I meet. I go into the room asking myself the question of what could I learn? And I think that's helpful to be able to meet, meet people and build connections. But then I realized that I actually have a perspective that I can bring to the room. And there's actually something that I can contribute. And every room I was going to, it felt like I was just pulling from the room. And I, I thought, what can I do to give back to the room? So the second kind of persona I adopt is, is as, as a mentor, which is what can I contribute into this conversation or what could I contribute in this room from my perspective and from my learning? And then the last kind of persona yeah. that I go in with is the is the perspective and the persona of a teacher, which is what do I take from this conversation or what do I take from this room? And what do I uh, what do I do to share that with other people? And if I was to go away and relay this lesson to somebody else or this learning to somebody else, how would I teach it? And it, I guess it helps me to simplify all of the lesson and distill uh, the lessons and distill it down into something that's helpful for other people. So now those are the three three times I go in. I go be a student, be a mentor, be a teacher in every conversation or room that you walk into. I love that. Can you um, give us an example of where you've done that recently? Yeah, I mean, the most recent example that comes to my mind is that we had a conference um, a couple of weeks ago online with the IABC, which is a, a business communicators conference. And when we were in the room, um, the conference was kind of flipped in the sense that it wasn't just about speakers to audience. It was about um, practitioners and professionals talking to one another at round tables. And I remember coming into the table and, and sitting there and thinking to myself, if, if I was a student of these exceptionally talented people, what could they, what could they teach me or what could I learn from them? And so the attitude that I have is, is one of pure curiosity. And I, and I go into the conversation going, what are the questions that I could ask that would bring out the best of other people rather than what's the ideas that I can have that could contribute to the conversation. And so what I did is I would jump from table to table and I'd have conversation after conversation. And I would be kind of gathering these um you know, little pieces of information and gathering them all in kind of in different conversations. And then there was a point where when you, when you do that often enough, you're speaking with other people and you go, I just heard something that was really valuable in that, um, in that space or in, within that conversation that could contribute to this table or could contribute to this conversation. So what you do is you reach into that little bag that you've gathered and you share that with other people. 
and then you mm. attribute it with honor to the people that you you kind of brought brought those lessons from and doing so you kind of contribute but you also teach at the same time so it's it's not necessarily something that has to be dramatically difficult it's just purely through the the lens of curiosity and learning and sharing and intentionality i think Huge intentionality. i think there's an element of intentionality around that of um, this moment, this moment that I am connecting with this particular human being matters. And therefore, I am going to be intentional around how I connect, how I am present, how I am curious, how I'm going to take this moment and do something with it. And I think we see um, across all walks of life, not just leadership, but across all walks of life, this uh, this lack of intention about each of those connection points. Would you Would you agree? Well, have you seen that? I mean, have you ever been in a room and like you, you've been to a lot of conferences, you speak at a lot of conferences, you've, you've been to a lot of events. Have you ever had one of those conversations where you're you're in the conversation with a person, but their eyes are over your shoulder? Yes, and, oh my God. <laughs> and that feeling that you get on the inside that the person's not really present with you because they're maybe waiting for someone more important to walk into the room. And I think people are intentional about, that looking for the most important person in the room that they could learn from. But I, I wonder yeah. what you might learn if you just remained a little bit more present in the conversation for someone who you feel like maybe at the time has nothing to add. Those are the people I think have the most to teach us. You wrote something recently. You posted something on one of the social channels, which by the way, I love your social presence. It's um, thank you. just love the artistry that, <laughs> that you put into your posts, unlike my crazy ones. But you were talking about this, um, where ideas come from. And you were talking about the connection piece between almost like the curiosity and creation of ideas, um, how you then collaborate, but then also how you turn it into something else. Can you, mm. can you just add your, I know I've probably praised <laughs> that totally wrongly, but yeah, work, talk to me about, because you've got this big thing about idea creation, which as leaders and as business owners, it's one of the critical things that we've got to do. We can either sit still and keep doing the same old thing and then wonder why other people are jumping ahead of us in our careers or stealing our share of the business, or we can be constantly curious about how do I find the next thing? So talk to me about your thinking on this. Yeah, I think for me, ideation comes really naturally. So my number one theme in Clifton Strengths is is ideation. And when people describe that to me, it, it's obviously about coming up with ideas. And they say, oh, well, you've got ideation, so you, you can come up with ideas and I can't. And, and I kind of take a little bit of an issue with that because I think everyone can come up with ideas. I think the difference for me is that I struggle to not come up with ideas. And sometimes that's a blessing and a curse. You know, the ideas just kind of tend to come really naturally to me. But it's not saying that everyone can't be creative or everyone can't come up with ideas. I think there is somewhere along the line, we've held this assumption that um, ideas are two things. Number one, they're reserved for some select group of special people and only the, the deeply talented or creative can have good ideas. And the second one is that ideas come in this moment of insight, which is, you know, it just pops out of nowhere and boom, there's the idea. I take issue with the whole light bulb moment because the light bulb, oh. if you look in the history of it, was actually a series of, of ideas building on other ideas. And so now we use that as the symbol for creativity. And I think um, what ideas are, are a series and an accumulation over time that um, builds on the foundations of that before it and connects the dots in a new different way. And so 
I think the post you're talking about was this idea. I was having a conversation uh, with a mutual friend, Michael Dixon, and he wrote a book called Everyday Creative. And in there, he has this idea that, you know, um, he kind of unpacks it, which is a bit of a Steve Jobs kind of thought uh, that creativity is about connecting the dots. And he said, so um, if creativity is about connecting the dots, then curiosity is the art of collecting the dots. And I really loved that thought of like imagining going through life. And it resonated with me because I'm the learner, which is imagine you've got this little bag and all through conversations and experiences and learning, you're putting little dots in the bag. And then a couple of weeks later, I was having a conversation with um, Paul Fairweather for their podcast called Common Creative. And he said, oh, well, if curiosity is the art of collecting the dots, well, I think curation is the art of arranging them, kind of sequencing those dots in a way that's helpful for others. And so, of course, I had to respond to that and have some sort of input to the conversation. So I said, well, if if curation is the art of um, arranging them, then I think collaboration is the art of sharing our dots. When we get into a room, your dots exchange with my dots, which allows us in the end, uh, which is what creativity is, is for us to connect all of those dots in a new way that hasn't been done before. Which is interesting in itself, right? Because I wonder when you think about that concept, so you've got the three, what? You've got the connecting the dots. Yeah. The arranging. Talk me it again. So we've got collecting, which is the curiosity. Curating, yeah. which is Collecting like arranging. Curating, yeah. And collaborating, which is sharing. Right. So you've got collecting, you've got arranging the dots, and then you've got the sharing of the dots. I wonder if we were to get curious about where our natural strength is, then whether that would lead on to identifying the gaps that you need to help actually find that next creative thing for your business. Mm. So you know, are you naturally a collector of dots, which as StrengthsFinder Gallops, maybe that's you. And if that's all you do, it's going to stay in its thing. Then there's the arranging of the dots. So who's doing that for you? Who are you sat with doing that? And then there's the bringing it together and actually doing something with it. I wonder if you were then to extend that thinking into teams, into leadership, into businesses, whether therein lies some insight as to where the gaps are for you to keep growing your business. You know, what are your thoughts? I mean, I love that that extension of this into a business context or a leadership context and identifying where in this process could I be strong or where might I need to stretch in this space? So I think about if we were to kind of map these to the questions, the questions I would ask is when it comes to curiosity, it is about um, do you have opportunity to learn and do you have opportunity to ask great questions? And mm-hmm. if you if you don't, what are the experiences you could engage in? And, and this is funny. I, I've used this example of a, of a friend of mine years ago who was just an exceptional communicator. And we were driving, I was driving him to the airport. He'd just spoken at an event. And he said to me, Shane, what books are you reading at the moment? And I said, oh, well, you know, here's all these great books that I'm, you know, trying to show off with because I I liked him. And he said to me, he goes, they seem very uh, similar genre. They're all kind of business leadership books. He's like, what have you read lately that's not in that genre? And I went, well, not a lot because that's kind of not the space I'm in. I said, well, what are you reading at the moment? He said, I'm reading a book about eagles right now. And I went, like, why? And are you interested in eagles? And he said, no, 
he said, but what I think I'm, I'm doing is I'm exposing myself to different genres and different mm-hmm. learnings and different lessons. And I always wondered what it was about him that has this ability to kind of draw metaphor or story or um, illustration from different kind of um, spheres of life. And it's his, his commitment to um, getting exposure and experience outside of what is his normal domain. And so mm. within this first space around curiosity, it's like, where right now are you um, locked within a particular uh, space or sphere that's not giving you, you the exposure that you need to get new opportunities to learn and grow? So maybe mm. that's a business conversation that we could have in that first space. And then the second one around curation might be, I think curation ultimately is going to come down to the discipline um, of arranging your ideas and arranging that learning and that lesson. So when was the last time you sat down and captured your ideas and your thoughts and your lessons and your learnings? And in what way do you journal? Do you record them online? Do you get them out on paper in some particular way? Like that would be the second question that I ask. And then the third one is around the collaboration, which is who might I need to bring into this conversation to bring me a different perspective that I'm not seeing right now. So whether it's about experience, whether it's about um, discipline or whether it's about people, like where are the gaps that I'm missing right now that I might be losing an opportunity to ideate? Yeah, I love that. Let's go into that business piece because uh, so many of the conversations I have are around people naturally, maybe even unconsciously end up sitting in status quo. It's like they're surrounding themselves with the same people having the same conversations, having the same insight that actually in this massively adaptive world that we are now living in where we have no idea what the next 12 months, two years, three years are looking like, that transactional nature of trying to find an idea or make a decision as to what we do next is actually probably one of the most riskiest things we can do. We've actually got to be brave enough. I talk about being brave enough to tap into curiosity more, to learn how to connect dots differently, to trust your intuition. And to most of all, when you make that decision, to have the ability to inspire other people to do the work that is needed. And I want to come on to your thoughts on communication linked with that in a second. But but from your perspective, when you look at look at business, um, that ability to you talk about where do you get information from? What what are you seeing? And and I guess what do you wish there was more of? Oh my gosh, good question. What I'm what I'm seeing, and this is this is not new, but it's been amplified. I would say we are we're information rich and attention poor, yeah. and we are I guess connection hungry, but meeting overloaded. <laughs> So this is yeah. the kind of the, the tensions of the extremes that we're dealing with right now. We, we, we've got all this information, but we're struggling to kind of retain it all and, and, and bring it all in because our everything is competing for our attention. We want connection, but the, the avenues and the methods in which we're getting connection are wearing us out right now. So how yeah. do you deal with the kind of seemingly opposing forces of I want more connection, but I want to see people less often. I've been saying to people lately because, you know, here in Melbourne, we've been uh, fortunate to be able to start to see people again after the last 12 months and go out and have different kind of social events. And I've been saying to people, I'm not really match fit for socializing yeah. yet. I want it, but I'm struggling to kind of get back to the, the pace that I was at prior to all of this. And so I guess what I'm noticing is that um, the things that worked for us before in order to be able to create collaborative environments or to be able to build meaningful connection 
isn't just about going and doing more of the same. We actually have to think about what are some of the ways that we could do maybe the same thing in a different way or look at it from a different perspective. And this is like the, the value of great ideas or ideation is that we get to look at the same situation or same uh, same context, but look at it from a different view or a different angle and find a new way of doing something. Yeah, that, that ability to almost get on that balcony and look in and get curious about how could I do this differently? I was literally just before we started on a call uh, with a client in Dallas who's got this just, oh my God, it's so exciting, the business that she's creating. And the thing I said to her was, what, what are the questions that you're not asking yet that actually you need to be asking? Because by asking that question, potentially you're getting the answer that you're currently trying to seek. And, and that ability, and it's a bit of a mind, ah, insert expletive, because it requires you to take that step back and go, what, what am I not asking right now? Mm. What, what is the question that I have not yet asked that if I could find the question and then be brave enough to ask that question, potentially that's where the answer is that I am seeking. You're so good <laughs> so at this. It's... You're so good at this because I remember like almost every time we're in a WhatsApp group together and we chat about things and when we share the good things or the lessons or the, you know, the wins that we've had, like your immediate response is like, okay, let's get on the balcony and let's actually look at this and go like, why did that work well? Or why didn't that work well? And you're, you're so good at asking that question. Um, I, I was doing a workshop last week with some leaders and, and it was around helping them become more curious and become more coach-like in the way that they lead. And the experiment that I gave them was a lot of people say to me, well, what do I do if I don't know the answer? That's a lot of people's biggest fears, whether it's speaking in public yeah. or coaching or like, what happens if I don't know the answer? And I reframed that yeah. and I said, what do you do when you do know the answer? How do yeah. you stop yourself from jumping in to give it and instead ask a question, which is kind of what you're touching on here. So yeah. if you think you have the answer, what would it look like to stop and go, what if I asked a question instead? Would it yeah. result in the same answer or could I find a new way of looking at this context or this situation? Yeah, because when we jump in with the answer straight away, you're not actually creating the space for potentially something else to appear. You're literally shutting it down, mm. which, which brings me on to what you talk about with the leadership gap because I love this work that you do and your, your passion around actually our job as leaders is to create exponential growth by unlocking that potential in others, by creating that remarkable leadership in, in others. Um, to bring it back a second, what, what do you see as, as the biggest leadership gap right now? There's a few things um, that I would say. Uh, what I think is I've noticed has been the biggest challenge is that many of the things that get people promoted to leadership look very different to the expectations of a person who's in leadership. And that's a really hard transition for new leaders or, and I say first-time leaders, first-time leaders is not just like you're brand new to leadership. I'm talking people who've been in leadership for years, but they're still in that first-time leadership role. That's a hard transition to make. And there's, a, there's I mean, there's a bunch of transitions we're going to make. Let's use a couple of examples going from, let's talk about creativity because this is the space we're in. When you're on a team, what do we value from our team members? Well, we value contribution. 
and what we value is creativity and creative ideas and that you would come to a meeting prepared with solutions rather than, um, you know, questions, you know, with, with answers rather than questions. And so we, we reward that. So someone brings a great idea to us and we go, that's fantastic. Let's celebrate that person. Now that person gets promoted into leadership and now they're leading a team. Well, how do you get your recognition and value as a leader? Well, I've always been promoted because of my creativity. And so what you do is you go to your team meeting and you bring your ideas, you bring your answers, you bring your solutions and your team go, that's great. Well done. Good answer. But you don't create this collaborative environment. So now all of a sudden we've got to shift the space where I'm not the creative um, idea bringer, but now I'm the creative environment creator. And so my job is not to bring ideas, it's to bring out ideas. And that's a huge shift. And so that creates this leadership gap. And that happens in a number of different areas, which makes it really challenging for organizations. Absolutely. And one of the things that you are passionate about is how we actually, how we do connect and how we do communicate. Mm. Um, so for, for those people that are listening that may be building their own businesses and they've got a vision, um, I know there's somebody that's always messaged, already messaged me that has said, I need to go, but I want to rewatch this, that, that's passionate about the communication space, particularly amongst that millennial generation. You know, her work is, you know, the millennials going into work are having to learn how to communicate. And at the same time, leaders in those organizations are having to learn how to communicate to unlock those ideas so she's she, the question she asked me to ask you is any tips on that so from a millennial perspective who has ideas and dreams who's going into an organization how they should communicate and at the same time if i put myself in the box how i need to potentially change my communication so that we unlock this creativity, we collaborate better, we amplify how together we can move forward. What are your thoughts on that? It's it's interesting because I would in, in so many ways our context shapes our content, right? This is this is the the nature of communication. So the environment and the context in which we both grew up in, we operate in can shape how we communicate. So if you look at let's take a millennial workforce as an example, because they typically get the, you know the conversations about how do we best engage with you, you strange foreign person. You know what I mean? Like we're just this kind of anomaly in the generations and they go, well, you know, you're in the workforce, but I don't really understand you. And, um, and so how do we communicate in a way that, that cuts through and makes sense? But if you, if you just take a step back and look at the context in which most of these people grew up in, they grew up pre-computers kind of space, pre-internet, then they had internet and then they had pre-phone, iPhone uh, to iPhone to texting to, so, so now all of a sudden they've come across all these different contexts. And so how would that show up in the way that you communicate? Well, they're used to in the environment they're in texting each other, which is short form. We, we grew up in the era of Twitter being limited to 140 characters. So you would, you were taught to condense your ideas down into simple and simplified um, communication. Now, the big challenge is that that can often show up as direct or blunt in a, in a conversation. So someone responds to an email in a short, succinct way. And it's like, well, that's kind of a bit blunt and a bit direct. And oh that's content, God, you right? Are, yeah, you just, that you're reminding me of a conversation I've literally just had with my mom over the weekend where she's going, I said, just text the kids. And uh, she actually said, I've been texting them. And one, Flint, my eldest, Flint, doesn't respond or just says, cool. And you are just like giving me the big aha moment as to why. And I went to her 
it's okay. He's he's acknowledged because he's spoken to me about the fact that you've been in touch, blah de blah de blah de blah. But he's not going to give you that paragraph <laughs> conversation. And yeah, thank you. You've literally just given me. I might have to edit this bit out and send it to mom so she understands <laughs> why he is in That's, one word answers. <laughs> it's a real place. And again, like I have those conversations. I I have to in, and this is I think always the balance, right? Because I don't think we should ever go, well, I'm going to adopt my, adjust my entire leadership style because you grew up in a different context. I think it's open dialogue and conversation yeah. and understanding each person's context. So I don't text my mum short one word text messages. I actually pick up the phone and I call her because I know she values conversation and she values hearing my voice and having those. And so again, it's this kind of give and take, but at the time she texts me and she'll kind of give me short, you know, kind of she'll send me a photo or she'll just send me a couple of words. And I'm just like, I appreciate that. So it's not about kind of completely drastically changing your communication style. It's just understanding context and how that yeah. might be influencing the content. Do you think therefore it has got more complex than ever before because we've got so many different generations in the workplace equally you know we've got we haven't got that traditional you're a leader when you're this age and you're running this business you know we've got running incredible businesses at young ages we've got uh, young leaders having huge responsibility in organizations so do you think just the fact we need to own that actually is more complex than ever before but it's up to each and every single one of us to understand the context in which you're trying to communicate. Mm. Um, that's that ownership piece to, to actually, if we go back on the balcony, our aim is to get somewhere. Our aim is to find a new idea, to collaborate better, to move forward uh, mm. in the direction. So it's, it is actually complex. And so we've all got to put in some work. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, complex, yes not necessarily complicated. And I think that's the distinction yes. between this, right? Is that once yeah. you understand the system, you can make sense of the communication. So the, it is complex because there's so many different generations and moving parts and experiences and learning. I think this all, almost links back to the start of our conversation around curiosity, right? If I yeah. enter a conversation through curiosity, my desire is to understand your context. And if my desire yeah. is to understand your context, I can engage better in your communication. I love that. Hey, you just said something. Our conversation, I love the way our conversation is like going so down rabbit holes. I knew it would do this. <laughs> I, said, I, did say to, I did warn you there's no agenda. We're just having a conversation. But that what you just said there about the difference between complex and not complicated. Mm. Um, I was doing my run this morning with my running partner and we were talking about uh, a particular business owner. And she made this comment about, she actually said, this person is incredibly articulate, but the reason they're not cutting through is because they can't articulate. So again, it's that, oh, so really, really smart, awesome ideas. Um, there's no doubt this person knows their stuff. So can talk, she said, she literally said she's talking and I can know she's articulate. But her ability to articulate for me to understand is really tricky. Comments on that? I love that, that distinction. Because it's, funnily enough, this is similar to a conversation I had on Instagram. Um, I put, put out a Ask Me Anything on Instagram and someone asked the question of me, um, how do you balance the tension between creativity and clarity? And he was like, in communication, how do you be creative and, you know, like get it across in an expressive and a creative way whilst at the same time making it, making it clear. 
And my response to that is I think both are really important. But if I was to put one as a preference in terms of the sequencing, I would put clarity first and creativity. And the reason why is when I put creativity first, I often get caught up trying to be clever. And then as a result of trying to be clever, I don't become clear. Whereas if I become clear, then I can communicate it in a way that's creative. And so again, this is this articulate, which is like, I might have the, the words to be able to communicate it in a creative way, but I'm not sure it's clear and I haven't got clarity yet. And I said to someone recently, mm-hmm. I think, and I wrote about it in my book, which is if we're going to start with something, start with clarity and finish with simplicity. And I don't think you can get to simplicity until you've fully got clarity. So this is kind of the mm-hmm. articulate, articulated um, concept, which is how can I make sure that I'm extremely clear on what it is that I want to say? And then what would it look like to say that in the most simple way possible? How do you, from your perspective, think that you... What do you have to do to get clarity? And I'll, set, I'll tell you where that's coming from. Probably like yourself, I come across a lot of very smart people, uh, smart thought leaders, smart business owners, great ideas. But much like my friend this morning, that ability, inability to actually articulate is letting them down. So they don't get the leads, they don't get the conversion, their business isn't growing because people are going, oh my God, I'm just totally lost in this. Mm. And I think, you know, I know one of my strengths is I'm a pr- quite a simple thinker, or maybe I'm not, I'm a simple speaker. Um, and so that ability to cut through is easier. Easier. But from your perspective, how, where, what advice would you give to people to get that clarity piece? And um, the second part of my question, that was it, I'm now because I can't write notes and look at you at the same time. The second part of my question is, what are the unconscious things getting in the way that are stopping us from getting clear? Someone asked me recently, um, how long does it take you to prepare to speak? And I would say, well, it depends on what on how I want to speak. I would say, if, if I want to speak with confidence, hours. If I want to speak with clarity, days, and if I want to speak with conviction, years. And I think the reason why I put that in that sequencing is because the experience that I've had leads me to, uh, I guess, a pretty fortunate ability to be able to say, hey, could you speak on this topic? Yeah, give me 20 minutes. I'll get my ideas together and let's chat about it. And I can jump up and pretty much come across confident on a stage. I don't know that it would be entirely clear to the extent that I could have if I'd had a few days of preparation, digging deep and really discovering the essence of that message. And again, the conviction that comes with it, you can't build without a life that has lived out the experience of that. And so that's kind of the progression that I would say. And I think clarity is effort and it takes time to do that. And it reminds me kind of of a few years ago when we were able to travel, we were in uh, Florence in Italy And we were doing the tour where we went through and we saw the statue of David and we went through and saw all the sculptures. And um, the tour guide was telling us a story about Michelangelo. And he said, you know, Michelangelo has this famous quote, which is that he believes that the sculpture was already in the stone and it was his job to remove everything that um, was unnecessary unnecessary to reveal it. And I think that for me has always been the journey of clarity. The journey of clarity is what can I do to remove everything that is unnecessary or gets in the way of the most important thing that needs to be communicated or shared right now. So what gets in the way of that? I think number one, we try to add rather than we try to take and we try to get clarity by adding more 
rather than by stripping back. And mm-hmm. it kind of goes back to a, a, you know, a metaphor I used at the start of last year, which is like when you sharpen a pencil that, you know, the sharpening is not necessarily about adding, it's by actually stripping away and removing. And so like whether you're a business owner, whether you're a leader, the question that I would constantly be asking myself is if I want greater clarity, what do I need to start removing and stripping away rather than how do I add more meetings, add more conversations, add more, add more content to this conversation? And so what gets in the way, I think, is we try to add. And number two, we sit in a room with our chisel in our hand and we go, I'm waiting for the idea to strike rather than taking action and starting to remove or starting to chisel away and do the work. So I think we've kind of got mutual mentors who talk about the idea of that um, clarity uh, or action precedes clarity, which is this, you know, go out and start and remove and strip away and reveal the idea or the sculpture or the message rather than trying to find a way to sit in a room and wait for it to strike you. Love it, love it, love it. And that concept of the fact that as human beings we have this desire to add versus actually maybe the craftsmanship and the mastery of how we connect, how we build our businesses, how we influence, how we inspire, how we create is actually the mastery of what we take away. And if I want, if I for a second put that into the context of communication and leadership, You know, how many times have we seen that where you might, I know I have been in meetings before, even meetings where I'm getting feedback or those beautiful not 360 degree reviews where you're almost going, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? And actually we overthink things and maybe if we just let all those barriers go, the opportunity would be great. Mike, Mike Perry and I have a mutual friend, Ron Harvey. I've shared his story. Actually, Mike was in Be Brilliant too. I shared his story in Be Brilliant. But uh, our mutual friend, Ron Harvey, talks about the fact that you have uh, nothing to prove, nothing to lose, and yet everything to gain. Mm. I so love nothing that. to nothing to prove, nothing to use, and yet everything to gain. And I was again in a mentoring session yesterday talking to a client, and they were so caught up in what their message was going to be with this particular negotiation. I just went, "Stop! You've got nothing to prove. You've pr- you've proved your business is absolutely capable of achieving more. You've got nothing to lose by having an honest conversation, and yet the other side of having an honest, clear conversation." where you're laying your cards on the table is potentially you've got everything to gain. What, what do you think? What are your thoughts as to why we have this desire to want to prove ourselves? Because it shows up, right? Shows up in creativity. I have to have the best ideas. It shows up in, in feedback. I have to, you know, you know, give the best contribution or make the best contribution. So where's this desire to want to prove something come from? For you? I think you it comes from? I, Well, I think it's an inner fear. Um, and that fear is different from for all of us. So it could be a fear of looking stupid. So your ego is taking over and you you fill the void with with words and statements and uh, a bit like we were talking about earlier, you you share the answer when it might not be the right answer. Mm. I think it's a fear of being out of control, um, of not necessarily having the answers. So again, you, your, your bravado takes over. And again, you've seen this all the time. You see people where they walk into the room with bravado and they leave and 
nothing's actually happened. So there's that fear. And I think for some people, it is this, it, it's a vulnerability place. So it takes a lot, I reckon, to just be present. It takes a lot to be simple, to simplify. And it takes an incredible amount of craftsmanship to stay really focused and in your lane. And if you look at those successful business owners, if you look at those amazing creatives, if you look at those incredible sports people, they're simple, really. The best businesses are the simple businesses. The best leaders are the ones where you've got absolute clarity on what to expect every moment you walk into a room. The most incredible mentors are the ones that have always been honest with you and told you where you're at. They, uh, the best sports people have got a laser sharp focus where they are simply hitting the ball backwards and forwards, learning the rocks, whatever it may be. And I think we, we fill ourselves with so much stuff that we actually can't be clear. An example to bring it back to daily life, um, you know, we've gone through, we've almost gone through uh, a whole load of years where we've been told to be really productive. And that productivity is presenting itself as an example of jam-packing every single moment with stuff. So get in the car, put a podcast on, run with the podcast on, stuff. Actually, my argument is we need to strip that stuff back. Like maybe if you ran without a podcast on, the idea would come. Maybe if you drove from A to B with no noise, the idea would come. So much like you're talking around we have to take away versus add, I think you can use the same concept for ourselves and our ability to grow, but our fear of conforming, of doing what we're supposed to do, of having read the top 10 books, of being on top of Harvard Business Review comments, of listening to that podcast, of adding, of being busy is actually stopping that simplicity. So I think you're, what you're saying can relate to so many different areas. There's genius in simplicity. And there is. I think there's something about when you can hear a person distill an idea or a thought down to its essence, it's it, you don't look at that person and go well that person's you know just simple you go that person is elegant and that person yeah. uh has this ability to kind of take complexity and distill it down to simplicity and we always admire that we don't look at less we don't look at that to be lesser um in conversations yeah. and your your thought around just the continual um cramming of information and ideas and 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 um removing some of the margins in our life, I would suggest is in the ideation process, one of the biggest barriers to great ideas coming is that, yes, there's this process of curation and collection and, and ex exploration, but it's only to a certain point when eventually you have to sit down and make sense of that. And to do that, you need space and you need margin. And I think mm. about it much like uh, James Webb uh, Young wrote a book called A Technique for Producing Ideas. And he talked about it like a kaleidoscope. And in your experiences are like putting glass into the kaleidoscope. And then he said, but you eventually need to sit down and twist the kaleidoscope and look at it through different patterns and different lenses. Oh. And most of the time we don't make that time or space to sit down and look at the patterns. And so we just collect more and more glass and we've got these ugly kind of patterns and, and, and nothing's emerging. And so the question that I often ask people at the moment, especially in the world that we're living in now where meetings go right to the time and we've got no margins left is I would ask the question of how could you schedule more time that you, than you need or finish yeah. earlier than you planned so you could break more often than you do. 
because yeah. the challenge is the more that we put in the middle of our life and our career and our business, the less we have at the edges. And I think when we remove the edges, we remove the space for creativity and ideation and curiosity and contemplation. And I think that's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. Oh my God. We could, I reckon we could have a talkathon all day. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that might be one of my second half challenges of staying live streaming all day and just having awesome conversations. Uh, Shane is, uh, you can find him on every single social media channel. Um, as I said, part of this monthly series that I'm doing, it's who, you know, series is bringing to you people that know me some of the people that I know, because I am passionate about the opportunity, the magic that cr is created when we connect in the way I connect and when we are open to exploring the opportunity to collaborate and collaborate from the perspective, not just of doing stuff, but of actually letting our brains explode with, with ideas. And Shane, your wrap up, couple of sentences well firstly it's um again for me it's a resubscribe to everything that you are janine um i i love it and i'm, I'm super grateful for the opportunity to know you and to, to be able to do this um I, I just think at the end of this um what is deeply important is um if we want to be creative then we need the space to get the clarity that we need and ultimately that's what it comes down to me is, is create space intentionally to get clarity and it will absolutely transform the way that you lead and the way that you do your business. Uh, always such a pleasure to talk to you. My brain is spinning. I need to grab a notebook and start writing. Um, have a truly awesome day. And once again, thank you so much. That's it for another week of phone calls with clever people. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in you by checking out the podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they're released. And of course, I'd love to hear how this has added value for you in the reviews. Have a fantastic week.